Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wang Bang Podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang. And before I get started on the NBA Finals preview between the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs, I just wanted to do a little quick recap of the Houston Rockets series. The Warriors pull off a win in Game 6 and 7 in very similar fashion with thrilling second-half comeback wins. And uh, I just wanted to go into a little bit about the Rockets players. I can't commend the role players enough. Basically, any player not named James Harden, who played significant minutes, they stayed committed to the defensive strategies. They played their hearts out. They really left it all on the court, and you could really see that in uh, in their three-point shooting at the end of the series where they missed 27 straight three-pointers. That's no coincidence that they missed so many. Um, they were exhausted. Their their defensive strategy was uh, was to stay active, was to be physical, and was to grind it out in the post when there were switches. I mean, Chris Paul and Eric Gordon both did superb jobs guarding Kevin Durant off those switches when he tried to post them up. And as good of a job that they did uh, early in the series, that wore them down. And, you know, it's got to be one of the contributing reasons to Chris Paul's uh, hamstring injury. Uh, A 33-year-old point guard with a history of injury problems who played many games throughout the series uh, had played 41 game, uh, 41 minutes in uh, Game Four, and then 38 minutes in Game Five. The guy was bound to be worn down, uh, not necessarily injured, but uh, they definitely were reaching a breaking point where they wouldn't have the legs anymore to keep keep up with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, really, a lot of the blame I think falls on to James Harden and Mike D'Antoni. Uh, starting with James Harden, in order for the Rockets to beat the Golden State Warriors, all of their players had to play at a higher level. And we saw that with P.J. Tucker. We saw that with CP3. We saw that with Eric Gordon. James Harden still brought the regular bullshit play that he does every game of the regular season. Electrifying score with incredible handles and amazing step-back three-pointers. Great at taking it to the rim, drawing fouls. But other than that, incredibly suspect defense and little to no accountability on the defensive end at all, which, you know, makes me think, I mean, can you imagine being a Rockets player and thinking, man, we're going to be contenders for the next couple of years, but this is how we're going to have to play. We're going to have to grind it out on defense. We're going to have to cover for Harden's mishaps. All the while Harden gets all the glory, gets an MVP award, gets all the points while we stand there and do the dirty work. I can't imagine that this is a very, very compelling reason for people to want to stay and, and stay with, and play with James Harden, uh, unless that dude is paying off all their mortgages or something. On to Mike D'Antoni. I, I get that you you stick with what you got you there, but playing a six-and-a-half-man rotation this deep into the playoffs against such an elite Golden State Warriors team is inexcusable. I mean, you look down that roster and you mean to tell me that you can't find a guy that is on the same level of Jordan Bell, uh, Kevon Looney, or Nick Young. You can't find a guy on your roster that can play 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just to give your uh, your main rotation guys a little bit of breather. D'Antoni 
just had no faith, did not develop any of his players to succeed in this kind of situation. Yeah, I know Bob Mute was hurt. Yeah, I know CP3 got hurt. But hey, the Warriors have had their fair share of injuries. Pat McCaw is a rotation guy who's who's been injured, uh, and obviously Iguodala uh, is is another big one. So uh, it's inexcusable that that Mike D'Antoni did not tap into the depth that he has, especially for a team that was quote unquote built to beat the Warriors. Uh, it doesn't make any sense that you you don't have the one resource that you need to beat the Warriors, and that's depth. On the flip side, there's so much that we can go into about, you know, the amazing uh, clay game six game or how Steph and Katie stepped up uh, in game seven. And and it's awesome that, you know, both Katie and clay and uh, Swaggy P are going into the NBA finals with a level of confidence uh, in their shot uh, as well as their on-court impact. Um, but one thing I got to say about Steve Kerr is the guy may have performed one of the best rope dopes in basketball history uh, that I've ever seen. And not only for just one game, but two, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the term uh, rope dope, uh, look it up. It's, it's a huge Muhammad Ali moment in his career. And hence the Muhammad Ali photo uh, for this podcast, but man, being down 10 uh, in both game six and seven and coming out in the third quarter and just blowing the game out of water it's it's insane how easily the Warriors were able to turn it up, which makes me wonder. I, I have two theories about this, of of why uh, the Warriors were able to turn it on so well in the third quarter. The first was obviously the, the fatigue of this Rockets team that started out uh, so strong, so physical, getting all these offensive boards. Uh, but there's one thing I've noticed about the Warriors in their first quarter, and I'm not sure if this is uh, on purpose or if it's just sloppy play, which is why it's just a theory, but the Warriors shoot a heck of a lot of threes in the first quarter, a lot of them ill-advised, a lot of them just random pull-up three-pointers, uh, not in the flow of offense, not with, you know, not coming off screens and passes, and chasing those rebounds down when you're a defensive player does take a lot out of you because the ball bounces just so much further. Uh, it, granted, the Warriors aren't much of a team that hunts offensive rebounds, so and part of that is to to prevent the fast breaks. But you gotta wonder. I mean, for the Rockets to have to chase down all those long uh, all those long misses, that had to have worn them down a little bit. Uh, the second theory I have is that Kerr purposely doesn't turn it on until after the third quarter because that doesn't give the Rockets halftime to make any adjustments. Um, you know, they're going to the half up 10. There's nothing D'Antoni can really say other than, yeah, keep doing what you're doing because it's working. Uh, they're not going to make any adjustments to plan for this third quarter explosion if uh, they're not really sure how that explosion will occur. Um, so those are my two theories, uh, obviously not backed up with any proof, but something worth thinking about when we uh, when we watch this NBA Finals Will Kerr try to pull another kind of rope-a-dope and wear down LeBron James uh, as the series goes on? With that, go Warriors. It's a great time to have a ball. It's a great way to let it go. All right, so on the phone, I have the Genio James Liao. How's it going, man? 
What's up, man? Hey, round four of the Warriors-Cavs. Pretty much what we had expected from day one of uh, of this NBA season. Are, are you surprised at all? Uh, I mean, it's it would be crazy to say anybody's surprised. I mean, I guess us making it into the finals is less of a surprise, obviously, mm-hmm. given, like, you know, with Cleveland, that would be a little bit more of a surprise, given the fact that half the roster got turned over, and so the fact that LeBron dragged them back into the finals is um, impressive. So, I mean, I guess in the beginning of the year, I would say, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but am a little surprised after seeing what happened during the year that they are back in the finals. Yeah, and and uh, not to knock on their achievement, but they have faced inferior talent, uh, a, a Raptors squad that just didn't have together and a Boston Celtics team that didn't have two of their star players. So in one aspect, it is it's not surprising that they made it especially after you know Kyrie and Gordon Hayward went down um but hey you know hats off to LeBron eighth straight NBA finals which is remarkable has played all 82 games this year all of the NBA playoff games and that's two game seven series and uh and a four game series where all together he's averaged 28 points eight and a half boards and nine assists so Absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's really the most impressive part is, you know, 100 games. And then on the 100th game of the season, which I think, or 101, whatever game seven was, he played the whole game. Like, that's the the crazy part. I mean, you just, I don't know if you watched the end of, uh, like, the trophy presentation at the end. Um, He was sitting down. The guy wasn't even stand. He couldn't stand. Like it's crazy. Like he just willed that entire team. Like I think there's and just just the longevity of LeBron and like his greatness. Like I just I just think there's really not much you can really. There's no argument for him being outside of like a top three player ever. Like there's zero argument. Like at worst he's third best. You know, it's just it's insane. Like you can't. This is like usually not sustainable. Like. Um, and for him to do it this long, I mean, even MJ had to take a two-year break, you know, like, just from a mental perspective. Like, it's just, it's crazy, like, just how he's able to do it every year. And then his body, like, you know, all the stuff that, that he does to kind of take care of it, it's 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 wild, you know. And then just him, like, understanding when to turn it on and when not to. And, like, where he can find pockets of rest during a game. Um, you know, obviously he's not the two-way player he used to be. It's, it's, uh, you can't expect that, given his age. Yeah. Um, and age and the, mileage. Yeah. Yeah, and mileage, and also just workload. You know, it's like he has to do so much on offense. His team is a complete mess on offense without him. So it's like he has to do all the stuff, and he, the only way to rest during the game is to find pockets where he can kind of rest up a little bit. And that most most of the time that's on defense. But you know, sometimes he'll go in for a crazy dunk, like, I mean, crazy block, like he did on Rogier and took everything. He couldn't even walk down to the other side. He was so tired. And, and on the topic of, you know, carrying all the load, I mean, he's, I, I think this is about as weak as any roster uh, he's ever played with. I mean, Love and Irving, both of them went down in that 2015 NBA Finals. So the rest of that supporting cast that he had to drag along with him was 
it was pretty weak. But you know, this roster is technically at full health, and uh, somebody was saying that you know any of LeBron's supporting cast would not crack the Warriors' rotation. Um, yeah, they might That's be. True. I mean, if you go down the list, right, with J.R. Smith play, he might get Nick Young minutes. You'll get Nick Young minutes, yeah. but I mean, George Hill would be a backup. Yeah, well, George even absolutely, Nance yeah. Jr. He would get spot minutes. Like, well, I mean, he's better, than, he's better than Loon. Uh, like I don't know about the discipline on defense part, but I mean, we are already... like Nance is better than, and he's way better on offense. Like, he can catch yeah. lobs, he's a lob threat, yeah. and um, he can make a little, like, 15-footer. Like, Loon is just, like, it's he's good, but, like, he's still severely limited. I think it's funny that your one example doesn't crack the Cavs rotation, so... Yeah. Well, I would say Jordan Clarkson, that guy, is the only guy. <laughs> I mean, I watched him, you know, in, as a Laker, and, um, you know, he, I, just, no, I just never liked him. I just always thought that he had a very limited ceiling like this is about as good as he's gonna get like he just reminded me of like a really like a worse version of monte ellis yeah <laughs> and it's just like he has no real like you know game other than just trying to put the ball in the basket like he gets tunnel vision like all the stuff like you know over dribbles like not a playmaker like it's just like hey don't I, hate on the mississippi bullet who averaged 25.7 points per game for us back in 2009 i think it was <laughs> whatever the year after baron left yeah yeah like, <laughs> the option at that yeah. point yeah you mean 2010 yeah around those years yeah and then and then we drafted steph and we tried to play the two of them together and and then we shit Monte Ellis's ass off, and the rest is history. So, yeah, I can see how you would think that Jordan Clarkson is not good. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I mean, same thing. Rodney Hood was. I mean, we talked about this in earlier pods too. I mean, these are feast or famine guys. Like you're either getting nothing or you're they get hot for a game, and most of the time you're getting nothing. You know, and this is why you can't play them. You can't afford to lose a game, uh, leave them in too long, and, and lose the game just hoping that they get hot. You know. That's why I just couldn't play those guys. Yeah, and that kind of segues me to something I wanted to talk about later in the pod, but we'll, we'll go into it now. I mean, who do the Cavs have that, uh, outside of LeBron, obviously, who's probably going to maintain his average of 35 points and, you know, 10 boards and 9 assists, but who else did the Cavs have that we should be afraid of? I mean, you mentioned this. They got a bunch of heat check guys, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, I think even Larry Nance is one of those. Um, yeah, good player, I agree. But also plays off the energy of the crowd. Who on that roster are you afraid of consistently being a threat? The the two biggest ones, well, obviously Kevin Love is the health, the health issue there, so we don't know. You know, he'll probably be back at some point in the series, but, you know, it doesn't even look like he's out of concussion protocol right now as of, you know, Tuesday night. Um, wow. He's not out of concussion protocol, so he's not clear to play game one yet. So, um, obviously, love is, you know, going to be a, a, a problem for anybody. So yeah, They're a better team without him, though. Yeah, I mean, Jeff I Green! I mean, Jeff Green is, is, like, one person that you would just pencil him in for maybe one good game. In the series, and and people are go- and people are gonna remember that game. That's the funny thing. They're gonna remember that one game that he played well, and he's gonna get like a twelve million dollar contract out of yeah, it. Yeah, but that's the Jeff Green story. 
That's the Jeffrey story for his entire career. He shows up for like a random game, and people, I just for whatever reason, they just remember the game. It's so weird. It's like the weirdest like dynamic um, of for like these players. It's like just for for Jeff Green specifically, it's just really strange. I've never really kind of seen that before. But like, if he doesn't have a good series, you know, people are probably still going to remember that game seven. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's like, and it's not like he played out of this world. He didn't even score twenty points. He just made some shots. You yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I remember earlier earlier this year on the pod, you were like, yeah, Jeff Green's one of those guys that you forget he's in the NBA or you forget what team he's on. You're like, oh, yeah. like that's what happened to me. Because after it was like, oh, Jeff Green signed with the Cavs. I'm like, oh, geez. Like, I forgot <laughs> this guy was even in the NBA. I thought he, like, went to China or something. <laughs> like, you know, Shanghai Sharks or, like, you know, Guangdong Southern Tigers. Tigers. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Geez, he could be any any one of these places. But, I mean, obviously, Jeff Green is not, uh, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, he, you know, we're, we're not super concerned about it. I mean, we'll, we'll probably, we, you might see some defense where we just kind of leave him. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, he just, I don't think he's shown enough for us to really kind of respect him. Yeah. Um, and the main the main two guys, um, obviously, uh, for me, Tristan Thompson, he's given us problems in the past, so... He's always and kind of revitalized, so that's always going to be a problem. Just keeping him, keeping him off the glass, and then um, uh, and Kyle Korver, yeah, like, Kyle going, he saved them mm-hmm. in a couple of games last series. Um, I forget which game it was. I think it was like you know game two or game three or something like that, where he just made a bunch of threes, he made like four threes or something in like a you know couple minutes stretch, and you just like you can't let Kyle Korver do that because it's like if he's going to come in and drop. 12 to 15 points on like four or six threes like that's a problem yeah he's, he's an instant offense guy yeah. and, and somebody that you can yank right after so you, you don't have to you don't but let I, him become a defensive liability he plays hard on defense too i mean he's not great but he yeah. plays hard. he hustles like you know he's a lot better than harden <laughs> put it that way just play hard you know yeah. they have physical limitations but they hustle like corver just plays his ass off on yeah. defense yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Corver and Thompson, uh, Thompson especially that that two thousand that two thousand sixteen NBA Finals. I think Thompson, along with Kevin Love and LeBron James, really bullyballed us into uh, into the ground, and it, it wears on you, man. I mean, especially since Draymond is coming off a seven great, seven game series, and granted, we didn't have to dip into that that small ball Hamptons five well too much. I mean, I think Dre averaged maybe ten to fifteen minutes at center per game. Uh, which is a heck of a lot better than you know trying to roll him out for 30. But it takes a toll on your legs. And, you know, you can see it. Even Draymond, like any three-pointer that he takes, it's always short. Like yeah. just because the guy just doesn't no have legs. any legs. Yeah, so uh, we'll get into Draymond and the offense in a little bit. But uh, LeBron, always the key. Always just got to limit him to, you know, 35 points and and limit his assists if, if he's – if he's limited to, you know, five or six assists, then that's... But that's the thing with LeBron, right? It's like, how how do you limit his assists? Because the assists are just the guys making shots. Like, yeah. he's always going to make the right play. So yeah. limiting the assists is just making sure the other guys don't make the shots. So making it tough on those guys. That's just what he does. He makes plays to lead directly to baskets. Yeah, you know? but so I mean, like... there, there's different ways to... to 
could no, deal with that. No, obviously staying at home on the shooters and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And we have, you know, if Iggy's healthy, uh, we have a couple guys that we can throw at LeBron one-on-one. Um, you know, especially, you know, Iggy, man. If he comes back, he's had four games off, so he's going to be fresh, and he's got the body. Yeah, that. Well, that's the, he's, the, that's the thing. It's like he'll be fresh energy-wise, but he's also coming off an injury. Never know how that's gonna be, you know. It's like, oh yeah, he hasn't played, but yeah, he also had a knee injury, <laughs> like you know, how that's gonna affect his mobility. And it's like against LeBron, you need to be at a hundred percent, like especially given his, you know, age at this point. Right. Maybe. You know, right. it's like if he's not at a hundred percent, it's gonna be tough. So I think we'll, you know, it, it's gonna be a challenge with with him out. Um, but you know, we'll. We'll just have to throw guys at Braun, dude. Like, there's no, there's no other way. Like, you just got to try try stuff and see what works. Mix up the coverages and just yeah. see what happens. Yeah, throw bodies in. I, I'm thinking about the guys that could guard LeBron, Draymond, Iggy, Durant. Uh, even Jordan Bell can get some time in there because he's got the size, athleticism. You you know, you just need him to to play with the right discipline. And honestly, late in the games when leg doesn't when LeBron doesn't have his legs quite as much, you, you could just put clay on him as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just like you, you just have to be careful with, with the back the basket game and passing out of the double team with LeBron. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just have to, you know, make sure that it's, you know, a hard double and that it makes makes the pass tough so that guys can close out in time. But um it's it's Never freaking easy, but I think the biggest advantage we have is going to be that their defense is just significantly worse than Houston's is. Like their just defense is just not good. So the I I feel like our offense is gonna flow a lot better. You're gonna see a lot more like of our, you know, passing system buckets. Um and then defensively, um, you know, we gotta be good, but you know, I I, st- I think we can just outscore them. You know, so if LeBron's going to go crazy and we stay at home, you know, go with the old Amari Sotomayor strategy on the Suns, you know. Let him get his 40. Let him get his 40 points and whatever and just stay at home on the shooters and then just see what happens because we have more firepower. Their defense just is not going to hold up against us. I just – that's our biggest advantage is that their defense is not good. A lot of guys who are either new to the playoffs – or just aren't very disciplined. I mean, you know, George Hill in the starting lineup, if he's healthy, is has is, been good. Yeah, yeah, he, he's good touch. But I mean, when you got you know Jr. Smith or Rodney Hood or Jordan Clarkson, God, Jr. Man, what happened to him? Yeah, Jesus. yeah, he's he's been awful. But I I really think you know their best chance is just to bully ball us and get get offensive boards. I mean, we we could have very easily lost Game Seven to the Rockets because of how many offensive boards. We gave up, which is why I think you know the the secret weapon of this series, and that this may get some chuckles, but uh, I think the secret weapon of the series is Zaza Pachulia. He was a Tristan Thompson killer uh, last year in the NBA Finals, and he's also fresh. I mean, the dude's probably played a combined ten minutes in this whole NBA playoffs. He's got the legs, he's got the body to bang, and uh, he, he's ready to get under some people's ankles. Yeah, yeah, man, don't joke about that. <laughs> yeah, all right, I take that back. Sensitive topic. For As a reputable uh, journalist, I will take that back. Yeah, take that back. Take that. 
no, but yeah, I agree. Zaza is going to be, um, I, I, he'll definitely see minutes. Um, you know, David West is another guy that I think will probably get back into the rotation, not being able to play those guys against Houston kind of like effed up our normal regular season rotation a little bit, especially with Iggy being out, you know, cause it's just like, we just have so many freaking centers and we can't play them. But you know, when you play against Cleveland, you know, Thompson is, is, you know, a non-threat on the perimeter. So you can just play Zaza or, or David West on him, you know, and then, you know, it's just like there's there's more of that role for those guys. So even if it just means, you know, splitting the time guarding Tristan Thompson, then that's fine. You know, 15 minutes a pop per person, you know, 15, 20 minutes for uh, Zaza, 15, 20 minutes for David West. Any specifics about our offensive strategy that you can think of? I mean, go at the weak links on defense, the Clarksons, yeah. the JRs, the Kevin Loves. Uh, get away from that ISO ball if we can. I mean, obviously, late in the shot clock, throw it to KD, let him work his magic. But other than that, man, I, I mean, we just have so much more range to, to move around, cut. Uh, they, their, their defense is just not as good, and they just don't play with the same level of heart that yeah. we saw from the Rockets. Exactly. And the Rockets were game-planning hard, and they their roster was built the game plan for us. So they had the the right kind of guys, the two-way players, like, I mean, just dogs with, like, Capella and, like, you know, Tucker and Ariza. They're all dogs. Uh, Gordon, EG, was a monster. Like, you know, those guys are all dogs, and you don't really have any of those defensive dogs on Cleveland. Like, who do you really have? LeBron doesn't play like that anymore. I mean, who do you really have? Like, George Hill's a solid defender. But, I mean, you look down the rest of the roster, you're like, ooh, like, we're... Kendrick we're, Perkins. Kendrick Perkins. Or, or, oh, God. Oh, I forgot, dude. They signed him on, like, the last day of the season. Yeah, something. he was this year's Dante Jones, just oh, a bench of enforcer. Just <laughs> a guy you throw out there to get some... Dude, Dante uh, Jones is not an enforcer. Dante Jones is, like, one of the only guys who's, like, dirtier than Zaza, dude. That guy straight up broke... Kobe's ankle like three times like, and, and not at the crossover way <laughs> yeah dude it's fucking literally like pulled a Bruce Bowen on him like Jesus like Dante Jones is like a straight up thug like you know I'm not like a Zaza apologist but dude that guy's like worse than Zaza dude. <laughs> it's pretty bad. yeah he's not on their team this year though right I think their, their last day of the season signing was just Kendrick Perk yeah it was it was it was Perk yeah mm-hmm. Alrighty, well, uh, wrap this up with predictions. What do you got? Uh, you know, it's it's tough. Um, I feel like it's, you know, especially given the uncertainty of Iggy's situation, you know, with with Andre not being able to play, I think that's gonna affect things. I was thinking about us in in five, and I think that's probably the most reasonable. But I wouldn't be surprised if we lost another game because we didn't have Iggy just because we like LeBron goes crazy and we just can't guard him I'm probably gonna have to go with us in five I'm not gonna try to do a hot take here this is not it's not gonna work we're just too much we're just way better than they are yeah uh, I got Cavs in six because of Vegas plus 1000 baby <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it is this still at that? Like, it's crazy, dude. It's, it's the, I can't, by the way, Cavaliers are the highest, or, yeah, the highest underdogs ever in the NBA Finals, which well, is... Well, game one right now is, um, like, 
minus, minus 12. 12. Yeah, minus 12 in the Warriors' favor. So and then that... the, the series right now, oh, okay, it's shifted a little bit. It's minus 850 for GSW, yeah. plus, plus 525 for Cleveland. Yeah. So. yeah, it's about that makes a little bit more sense, but oh my god, dude, this is so <laughs> ridiculous! Like minus eight fifty, like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were also two to one to win uh, the NBA championship uh, at the start of the season, so that, wasn't that's there, a... wasn't there a bet that you and I were looking at that was like where where our odds actually weren't that good? Like was it in the beginning of the Rocket series or something like that? Yeah, I I think like, you it was like more even or like toss up. No, you know what it was was and when we went down three to two after game five, um, and this might have even been before uh, Chris Paul had been ruled out. I mean, he obviously had the hammy injury, but yeah. uh, nobody explicitly said you know he's ruled out of. He was ruled out, yeah. Uh, Warriors were still minus two ten to win the NBA Finals or something like it was something something absurd. Like Vegas was was expecting the Warriors to still come through. So uh, no, but but that's a look at that those numbers. Like that would have been a nice net if you put a thousand bucks in. Like you know you would have won a decent amount of money. Right now you put a thousand bucks in, you went a hundred and twenty dollars. Like what the fuck. Dude. Yeah, well, I mean, it, at minus two ten, you would have only won five hundred dollars. Yeah, but that's way better than you would have won a hundred right now. Minus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of bad yeah. is that, dude? Like, yeah. One hundred twenty-five dollars or something. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, let's put it this way: we're we're one Steph Curry ankle injury away from this series going even. You know. Why, um, would you just? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's why I don't cut that's, this. Cut it out. Dude. That's why I don't. I don't. That's why I don't make these bets. That's why I never bet on the Warriors as, as the favorites. Uh, I got the Warriors in six. Uh, Warriors just lose focus. Two games. Uh, we've seen it happen before. Yeah, I, I'm not I'd be surprised if that happened. Yeah, but I do like how both KD and uh, Clay are, are going into the series with a little bit of their mojo back. Uh, seems like they've kind of lost it in that in that game four, game five stretch. Yeah, good stuff, James, and uh, sorry to all the listeners out there. We weren't able to do a little bit more uh, in-depth review, uh, just the, the two two days off between the uh, games, between Game 7 and uh, the start of the NBA Finals is just not enough for us to work with. So uh, looking, looking to do a mid-series episode, assuming that things are somewhat interesting. Uh, otherwise, James and I will talk to you after the Warriors win uh, banner number three in the past four years. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Go down. It's a great-